0: All right, John. How's it going, man? It's going all right. It's been a decent week, keeping busy. Yeah. So we're here with uh, on episode nine of World's Strongest Opinions with Zen McCullen, uh hey, IPF man. powerlifter, silver medalist uh, at the 2022 World Junior Championships in Turkey. Um, welcome to the show, Zen. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well. Pleasure to be sharing my strong opinions. Yes. Yes, and I know you have some. We've talked a lot. Oh yeah, uh, we have online. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and we're kind of stepping out of our comfort zone a little bit here too with powerlifting. Um, you know, um this kind of started off as a strong man um podcast, but you know, the more we talk, the more we realize that we we love all strength sports and we want to give everybody a platform wherever we can. But before we get started, it's it's become slowly we're making this. Uh, uh, our tradition that everybody that comes on has to answer trivia because yeah, okay. you know, I've gonna, heard
1: of this. Yeah. I've done this. I've seen this. Yeah.
0: We're going to see, see if you know your shit, then that is the name of the game. Um, and today is going to be a little bit more geared towards uh, it's actually a lot more geared towards powerlifting, of course, but there's some there's a couple questions that that aren't necessarily powerlifting, but I think reverberate through um, strength sports, if you will. And I tried to put these up, you know, easier, harder, but not not being as educated in powerlifting as I probably should be. Forgive me in advance if uh, if they're not perfectly in order (laughs) for sure. So so question number one, everyone should be able to get this. The famous phrase, nothing but a peanut is credited to which athlete? Yeah, buddy, Ronnie Coleman, eight time Mr. O. Yeah, buddy. That's an easy one. Everybody
1: should know that. When he doubled 800, that was
0: crazy was. on the squat. I mean, he was a very, very... So that's kind of why I use this too because, I mean, I don't know that he ever did any official powerlifting. Mm-hmm. But he I like think he did, lister. yes. In the
1: 90s, he did do a powerlifting meet. You can actually find video on YouTube um, of him doing a powerlifting meet. It was like... When he was in his early 20s, it was in like the, it was before cool. he was a, a bodybuilder and he did a nice. powerlifting meet. I think he deadlifted like six, 700 pounds. There's a video of it. And there's also this um, older gentleman named Roy who's like, he looks like he's 80 years old coming out, deadlifting like 540. And that's like fucking sick too. So that's
2: awesome.
1: If you man. can look it up, to look you can up, you can give a watch. Yeah I, yeah.
0: I have to look it up. I, I'm familiar with his, his big, like you said, the 800 squat. Um, you know, I think I've seen him deadlift. Pretty heavy as well. I think 800 plus as well. So, yeah, 800 definitely well, yeah. one of the strongest bodybuilders to ever live. 500 uh,
1: rows as well. Who's that? Uh, Ronnie Coleman did like 500 pound rows
0: yes. for reps and training right. to build up his back strength, which is a huge thing. He's a massive human being in his prime. Uh, question number two. This should also be a, a relatively easy question for everybody. Who was the first man to deadlift? One thousand pounds in competition. Uh, it would be um,
1: Andy Bolton, uh, for Multiply, and Benny Magnuson for Classic
0: for Raw. I, mean, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask that as a separate question. <laughs> I guess you just jumped right ahead of me. Uh, and Benny's yeah. world
1: record in the raw deadlift stood for a decade yeah. until Dan Grigsby pulled, I think, ten seventy four at the American you're, you're Pro this year. Me, ben.
0: You're killing me. You you. You slow down a little bit because you're, <laughs> you're answering all the questions that I have up here before we get there. <laughs>
2: I'm kind of These like a bank These of knowledge for powerlifting.
0: Easy. These are clearly too easy for, for Zen. Um so yep, Benedict Magnuson, uh, or I'm sorry, Andy Bolton, Benedict Mason, uh, Benedict Magnuson, of course, uh, pulled a thousand, uh, I think it was 15 raw, right? Mm-hmm. And set it down extremely gently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, um, i woken up a kid. What is arguably the most famous powerlifting gym to have ever existed?
1: It would be Westside Barbell, um,
0: yeah. late Louis Simmons. Yes, sir. I'm having I'm having a little vintage Eagle Rare here tonight. Drinking
1: water out of a McDonald's cup. Because
0: <laughs> I'm old and I don't give a fuck. So cheers cheers to agree. Louis Simmons,
1: though. You know, he he paved the way for a lot of people. He's arguably the most um, impactful powerlifting coach of all time.
0: Yes, absolutely. 100% Westside barbell. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Some people may, it could be subjective to some people, but I seriously doubt it. I think uh, I think that's definitely, arguably, the most famous palatine gym. Who squatted the all-time raw without wraps world record squats of one thousand eighty pounds? Ray Williams. Yeah, buddy. Nothing but a peanut. That was a nice looking squat too. Uh, oh yeah. This one might be a little harder. We'll see. We'll see how how much new knows it. What year was the first ever international powerlifting championships held? In the
1: IPF, it would be, uh, they just did their 50 years, so it would be 1972.
0: All, all time. I don't know that this was EPF. I think this came before IPF, and it was okay. not 1972. It was before. It was a little bit earlier
1: from powerlifting world. Which... <sighs>
0: Shit. You're so putting so me on the
1: seat here. It would have to have been in the 60s then. I'm not sure what year.
0: No, you're you're close when you said 1972. Uh, what year would it have been? Because I don't
1: know. Do you know this, John? I don't. I'm
3: trying to think.
0: This is a real tough one. <laughs> yeah,
1: even for me, I mean, I was like, I was thinking like, okay, I was at the 50th IPF, like it's the 50th year of IPF. So I mean it'd be in the 70s, 72, 73. It was, it was
0: 1971. It was held by Bob Hoffman of York Barbell. Well, there it is. Yeah. I was close? 72. Was close. Pretty close. I think uh, I think IPF came out the next very next yeah, year. Yeah. So, so there's have already been, yeah. been national championships. Um, this was the first international powerlifting championship ever held. And allegedly it only, it only had Americans and, uh, and Brits, uh, and then the following year, uh, they had a, a, a little bit more diverse world championship. And, and then that's uh, when the IPF started coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I stumped you finally. Um,
1: (laughs) yeah, that was pretty tough.
0: This one might be a little harder too, but but it's a it's a well known name. The quote, "The worst thing I can be is the same as everybody else," is attributed to who? The worst thing I can be is the same as everybody else. To be I'm
1: trying to think of this, you're putting me on the spot here. I mean, you do have a couple
0: tricky ones. Um... Can't a have to not be Mark Bell, lifter. not a power, not lifter. a powerlifter. Okay, I wouldn't know. John, uh, I am stumped on this one as well. It's another hit. Get yeah. in the chopper,
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> seriously, Arnold said that.
1: I mean, it sounds like one of those Mark Bell like ramblings from like the early 2010s when he was just starting super training that no, it just kind of like
0: you yeah know, it was definitely yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger I actually it was an had a quote. banner uh, uh with a saying on it in my in my basement gym definitely Arnold Schwarzenegger and I think it's I think it's definitely one of the more famous uh quotes from Arnold. I mean there's a lot obviously but
1: you got me with all these powerlifting people I'm like oh that's not a powerlifter shit. Okay. There's a
0: couple in here that weren't powerlifters. I had to kind of go Kind of step out for sure, um, and and have a little bit more diverse questions here. Uh, another good question. We'll see if you know this one. Which famous? This might be a dead giveaway when I say this. IFBB bodybuilder, pro bodybuilder, and powerlifter. Which famous IFBB bodybuilder and powerlifter who squatted eight fifty four without knee wraps at forty four years of age? and is known as the white rhino.
1: White rhino would be Stan Efferding.
0: There you go. Figured that to be a way when I said white rhino. <laughs> that
1: dude's, well, that dude's huge. I was thinking of a couple other, but I mean, you know, I mean, Stan Efferding markets himself as the world's strongest pro bodybuilder, and he does yep. have the total to back that up.
0: Yes, he does. His, he his squat
1: play. and deadlift form are the most, you know, peculiar that I've seen. Um, he just kind of screams through the whole lift which i mean that may not be the best for your brace but it works for him and he yeah. squats more than me raw so who the fuck cares
0: i i scream when i squat too because i it just sucks <laughs> yeah, i try not to because
1: i'm trying to keep my my core and everything braced but you know some people can scream while doing i, I like love
0: that. squat i love squatting but yeah i just like I, I don't know i involuntarily just let out like all kinds of noise when i squat <laughs> All right. Well, you already you already got this one. Dan Grixby uh, Grixby has the current raw world world record deadlift. At it's it's getting up there. and it was stupid how fast it was. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised at him or perhaps Jamal um, take the overall. Um, you know, if you want to count Thor's deadlift, I mean, it's absolutely the the greatest deadlift in human history currently in. Mm-hmm. Official conditions.
2: Official, um, yeah.
0: So, so we'll see. Uh, I'm excited to see somebody, and I don't, I don't care if it's sumo or not. Uh, you know, somebody pulls five oh two sumo, no suit, no straps. I will be insanely impressed.
1: Yeah, I mean Jamal Browner has done it with straps. Jamal Browner <laughs> is also stepping into the strongman circle by doing the World Deadlift Championships yeah. next September, conventional with straps, um, right. strongman rules. He says he's not going to wear a suit, though, so we'll see how it goes. I'd like to see him pull 1,000 raw conventional because, like, the main gripe that people have about Jamal Browner that's, like, slowly weaning, obviously, is like, oh, but he does it sumo. Well, he pulls over 900 pounds conventional. Can you do that as well, you know?
0: Yeah, most of those guys that are big sumo pullers have very powerful conventional deadlifts as well.
1: Oh, yeah, you have to.
0: But not always vice versa.
1: No, I mean, sumo deadlifts – um as a whole i feel is a more anatomically challenging lift um because to get into an efficient position for sumo which if you see all these like top sumo deadlifters their entire body is basically behind the bar and they can just like you know kind of push with their legs and they're in a they hinge in and they're already at lockout because they've uh, i maximize their position where their chest is almost completely upright when they start to pull um if your hips aren't that open and aren't that mobile you're not going to do great at sumo it's going to be a more back dominant lift it's basically a shock conventional deadlift where you're like all the way out with your legs and you pull with a wide stance because your back is still leaned over and you're not using the real benefit of sumo which i think is like being able to get your hips that much closer to the bar that is basically a high block pull in terms of mechanics and it's not it's not obviously like a high block pull but it's so efficient (laughs)
0: Right. And I I mean we can argue that all that's what people argue, why it's you know, but uh regardless, uh I I'm I have no no quarrels with it in powerlifting. Um no. and sometimes I actually think it's ridiculous that I, I mean there's there's obviously certain cases in strongman where it shouldn't be allowed because the range of motion is too short, like on an 18-inch deadlift, but um yeah, I've always thought it was a little bit silly that that sumo is not allowed in strongman, but you know, it should use, be allowed. You, off you, the floor. Have, you can have grip clothes from head to toe and oh, three, yeah. bel- three belts and double sleeves. <laughs> you yeah, you can have everything. So you can.
1: You can, And when you deadlift in strongman, you're allowed to wear figure eight straps, where the straps are so long that you're basically holding the, the bar like right here. You're hanging, yeah. and like that cuts <laughs> off range of motion, so you can't really bring range of motion into the argument here, but. I mean, I don't even think you can break the floor all the way with an 18-inch sumo. I've seen people do no, block you'd pulls have to with be sumo. Very
0: tall. I mean, you'd have to be a Thor. You'd have to be shot. You'd yeah. have to be 6'10. I don't you, see you any have other to be way. A tall, tall individual. You know, so so, I get yeah, that. obviously in some cases, some regards it makes sense. But
1: yeah, but who uh, the fuck are a, doing, who a, the fuck
0: is doing 18-inch yeah, deadlifts? No yeah, that's, <laughs> that's another let one. Me one more question. One more question. Last one. I'm gonna stump you this time. I hope. Who was the first man to squat 1,000 pounds in competition?
1: Was it Lee Moran?
0: No. No, before Lee? Okay. This was, this was a while back. This was actually probably further back than you would uh, think. Um, squat 1,000 pounds in competition. Whew, this is... And I actually, didn't, I forgot to write the year down. Um, and so I'm not going to tell you, but it's. Was it's it Matt Dimmel? No.
1: It was before demo okay.
0: Shit. I, Gotta would, go I, was, back uh, to, I think it was all the way back to the eighties. Was it Hatfield? Nope. No, okay. so maybe maybe a hint. I don't know if this will help you, but he was also a world strong strongest man finalist in the early eighties.
1: finalist, not never
0: placed tie or. He Violence. he had one he had one podium third place podium finish, I think what? in 81. Okay.
1: Um that rules out the other guy I was thinking of who was more of a venture. Kaz was more of a venture, and he won three sur- times.
0: I would be surprised if very many strong men would get this. I wouldn't get it if, if I didn't look, if it didn't look it up. you didn't
1: look it up. Shit. 100%. You got me nope. here. I have no idea. No cheating. No cheating. No, you. You got me. I'm done. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm just like
0: I'm pondering and thought. John, John, what do you got? Do you have any idea? I, I don't. like oh, shit. How's he about to start cheating? You got one. Oh, I'll be on. You his name is Dave Waddington. Shh. Okay. Dave, Dave Waddington is is uh was the first man to squad a thousand pounds in competition. He was world strongest man finalist in 81, 82 and eighty three. With one podium finish, third place finish, and I believe it was 81. It was 81 or 82.
1: Yeah, that, okay, that, that got me.
0: Yeah, you know, that, was, that was a tough question. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was pretty, that was, that. I don't think a lot of people would get that one. That's, that's pretty niche.
0: I mean, I, I cause like, dig, cause like, I, you can have, you can have them all, then. I mean, yeah. you for I mean, sure. There's no question, you know, you should about powerlifting. That was oh, yeah. Very impressive this one, around.
1: that one was that one's like, you know, that one got me for sure. Because, you know, I mean, I have names, that I think, are the first person to squat a thousand pounds. But like, you know, people could be the first to claim anything to, right. to know mean, the official person now is really good to know.
0: True. Yeah. I mean, I had to do a little digging because there's actually a surprising number of thousand pound squats in powerlifting over the last like 40 years.
1: Oh, yeah. Quite oh. a bit yeah um the thing is why people are saying first person to squat a thousand if you think about it back then the record keeping wasn't that consistent you couldn't just go online and look
2: right you know
1: you just had to take people at their word that it was the first a thousand pound squat right. and at, at that point in time powerlifting was so new and these lifts were so novel in their like intensity that people were like yeah fuck it i don't think anyone's ever done that before so right. i mean like people just believe it and spread it so
0: it's hard to say you know i mean and, and I mean some people some people say that, you know, Paul Anderson was squatting a thousand back in the, you know, way back in the day before anything was verified. Yeah, stuff. I was gonna
1: guess Paul Anderson when you said it was earlier than you think. And I'm like, no, I don't think he's ever done that in an official competition. No, and I think he's done that I think
0: he squatted he squatted well over a thousand pounds, like um with those barrels, but it with was the like Anderson was an, squat. Yeah, an Anderson squat, right? Yes. It wasn't really quite from full depth. Well, that's still away. pretty impressive
1: because you think Fair about it, that's dead weight. That's weight really on two platforms. Because- you stand up with it. That's a lot. Well, also- Paul
0: Anderson, too, as you know, I mean, he was competing before uh, steroids were even a thing. Mm-hmm. So there's no question at all that he was 100% Clean. natural. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, assuming that the feats that he performed um, were legitimate, you know, because, again, you're talking about a time where record keeping wasn't great and verification of weights wasn't really didn't give a
2: shit. It looked heavy, Didn't really so it was. not
0: yeah. um, you know, but giving him the benefit of the doubt, man, he performed some pretty incredible feats um, at a time where nobody else was, nobody had any, any special uh, advantage, right?
1: I think it was 1960 or in that time frame. He actually won an Olympic gold in weightlifting right. back when it was a three lift. You know, snatch clean and press and clean and jerk yes. um and he did win the gold for the united states i think he's the last american super heavyweight to actually medal in weightlifting for the u.s so you know because you know when performance enhancing drugs really became a thing there's certain countries that took on more than others for sure yeah because we had weightlifting from the US. russia specifically yeah <laughs> the soviet union east the eastern bloc countries North were all over it okay you know, they had Vasily Alexiev and the most sexy singlet you known to mankind coming out as a super heavyweight. <laughs> you know, and then like after that, I mean, with super heavyweights, you know, you have weightlifting where like, you know, there's what's there's another Russian guy who did like a 267 clean and jerk in training, but his name escapes me. I think he did it in I forget where what his name was. There was also
0: Sure, that's not Lasha
1: from Georgia. No, Lasha's Lasha's the new generation. This was back in the eighties. I oh, forget his name, um, but there was also Andrei Tchermirkin, who was a big Russian weightlifter in the late nineties, two thousand era. He was actually so heavy and so stiff. That he could not rock a clean and jerk until over 500 pounds, so he would literally clean it, have it floating in in his in his wrists, and then jerk Dude. it from that position. He's the only person to have ever tried a 600 clean and jerk. He did it in I think Sydney in 2000 to win the Olympics, and he was he got he has the power to do it. He did have the power to pull it as high as it needed to be, but he could not get under it fast enough, so it was it just he missed it. So
0: yeah. I'm surprised he didn't hurt himself with a lack of mobility.
1: Some people are just built different. He was one of them. Yes. We we don't ask questions about people who are just built differently. We just like, yeah, it is what it is, you know? And yeah, Olympic weightlifting in Iran is a big thing too with Razzadeh. And Razzadeh was a big one back in the day. He did a 263 and a half or 264 back in the 2000s, 2004. Mm
2: -hmm. So yeah, there's a a lot of super heavyweights from other countries
1: that are good. Yeah. in weightlifting and then you have shane Heyman, which i mean that guy was our single ply powerhouse with he would squat 900 a thousand pounds you would just unrack and just dive into the hole and pop up as fast as he came up came down and that's what actually compelled people to ask him to try weightlifting because he was so explosive because most powerlifters squat a little bit slower um right. but he would just and with the way he was doing and not hurting himself, we're like oh, you have the you have some potential here. And he actually he was actually pretty good. I mean, he was in the A group at the Olympics, which is pretty good for an American. We usually don't make yeah. the A group in anything. With, well, now we have a few in the lighter weight classes that are pretty good.
0: Sure, yeah. Sure.
1: Well,
0: it takes guts to like dive bomb a squat, though, man. Yeah, I I try to,
1: um, but with control. I I just get my air in and go down as fast as I know I can handle it both in terms of like safely, as well as, you know, maintaining my technique and my position. And I feel like that, well, one that also helps you because in IPF powerlifting, they're very, they're huge sticklers for depth. And the longer you spend getting to the hole and spending, trying to find depth, the more time it takes, the, the more time you're giving those judges a chance to look at your hip. Yeah, um, if you just like take is. it down and come back up with it, they don't really have the time to see. And if they have any doubt in their head about the lift, they have to white light you.
0: So, so, but in IPF, I mean, this is something that you um, taught me recently that I was unaware of. And, and is that there's actually a jury that can there ever is a jury. ride the, the judges. And you had that happen to you. in they, Yes, it happened
1: twice at open worlds. Um, at Open Worlds, they I t- well, here's the thing, not a lot of people know this because I really didn't say much. I missed my opener. I squatted 860 as my opener. It got okay. two reds, and the jury got involved and overturned that to a good lift because my oh, coach J- James Townsend went over and argued because the side judge that gave me a red light, there was one on the side for depth. And then there was one on the side that had a yellow card, but no other. A yellow card basically means I step backwards, or I moved, or I jumped the command. None of which happens. So I guess they saw that that was an, an erroneous um, card, like it was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And the, so, there was so a,
0: they do like it's not always negative. I mean, no, it's not always negative. They can
1: good, so. they can you can go to the jury um, and protest um, a lift if you think that there was a mistake in the judging. That's both for good and bad lives. Um, if you think that there's a mistake with your guy and like you get that you have two reds, for instance, you can go and like, say, Hey, what's going on here. I'm pro- I'm protesting that infraction card. Cause it doesn't make sense. There was a mistake and it was a newer judge and they were kind of scrutinizing him a little more and they overturned it to good. Now that probably screwed me. It was a double-edged sword. Cause after that, the jury was looking more and more at my squats, and they were they were they yeah. they, they opened the door to some scrutiny that really shouldn't have been there, um, and ultimately I kind of take the blame for that because I was kind of leaving it on the line for depth. But then again, you have super heavyweights in suits. I mean, there's not a lot of depth you can really get. I could right. probably go a hair deeper, and you know, for international meets, I probably should just so I don't lose placements. Because had I had not had those squats overturned, I would have probably ended up in third, given the final standings. Which right. sucks, you know. Same bench, same deadlift. It would have been either
0: third or fourth. So, so it's curious. You say that that the uh, one judge was newer. What the yeah. hell? do they have a, what the hell? Do they have a newer a newer judge at a world championship for? Well, people, some people like. Well,
1: point. it was. He's from Mongolia. So it's a, it's a member nation that, you know, it's kind of growing. And I'm guessing, you know, if you take the CAT2 test for the IPF CAT2 referee exam, you have to have a certain tenure proven by your national affiliate. Um, so you have to be a judge for like, I think, four years before you can even take the test. And then I when guess, you take he the wasn't test, new,
0: he, wasn't he, new was a, judge.
1: he was a new, new, but he was, you know, not as tenured.
0: So they were Maybe kind of looking to at the him. world stage.
1: Yes. I mean, you can, he was a side judge too. You know, they typically don't put um, newer judges in the head seat or whatever in the head chair on the jury. You can't actually be on the jury until you're category one. So that's a, another tidbit of information. You have to be a more senior level referee in order to even sit on a jury. Yeah. Now what I found funny with the jury was in my session, there was only three people on the jury for the second session. Since there was this, the Eurosport was broadcasting on live television some of the sessions from Equipped Worlds, one of which being the A-group, Super Heavyweight Men, which was top eight nominated totals. Um, and they had a five-man jury on this one. And there were some, you know, the same thing, you know, two over one good lists, and the jury wasn't saying anything. And my guess is that, <clears throat> like you see with Strongman, if you have judging that's like absolutely stupid. Like, you know, they're letting everything pass and, you know, no one's verifying world records. And, you know, you have like an implement that weighs five pounds less than you say it does. Or, you know, you have these things, that you know, it kind of muddies the impression of strongman. I think that they realized that if the jury was just getting up and overturning shit out of nowhere, it would muddy the image of powerlifting in front of millions sure. of people.
0: Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, but talking about strongman, Nothing happens when those examples that you gave. <laughs> well, nothing, happens. nothing
1: um, happens in powerlifting as well with these examples I gave as well. I mean, like, it's getting worse, actually, because um, as of this year, <coughs> excuse me, as of this year, juries can use video. Before, they couldn't. So now they have a little video monitor that they can watch an in instant replay. And they do, like you said in the other podcast, John, they can be the internet commentator, commentary team and saying everything's three red lights. You know, they'll be the Instagram judges. But I think that if no one actually protests someone else's lift, you shouldn't look at a good lift. Um, I was pretty, I mean, I was pretty bummed what, what happened, but there was a major screw over that occurred at the uh, World Games in Birmingham this year um our super heavyweight female lifter for the world games which is like our olympics every four years is a huge event it's in the u.s and we had a u.s um super heavyweight who was who pulled for the win bonica brown and her last deadlift got overturned by the jury for not being locked out i guess and that was just highway robbery if you ask me because the lift didn't look bad um, she obviously can't get her shoulders super far back because she's a super heavyweight. No super heavyweight can do that without unlocking their knees or putting their body in a really bad position or potentially losing balance because your center of mass is so far behind you. So it was as locked out as you can be, um, in my opinion. And, you know, they still took it away.
0: Hmm. Um, and I think two Like this is, I mean, this is what's really (laughs) awesome about having you on here is um, we, we get to kind of talk about, you know, on, on the Stryman side, there's, there's no standards or there's, you know, it's too loose sometimes. And then on the IPS side, it's so, it's almost, you know, uh, so over authoritarian, um, draconian that, that you have these instances where, you know, people are having their, their lists overturned because of. Who knows who knows what could be <laughs> political
1: i mean i it's way over my head uh as a u.s lifter i know that they're more scrutinizing of us um mainly because you know the u.s has always been like the black sheep of the ipf family back when we were the USAPL, we had our own shit going on in the u.s domestically we had you know our own age divisions we had our own way of doing drug testing we had you know a little bit more of a different interpretation of the IPF rules. And when 2021 came around, they wanted everyone on the same page with the WADA code. IPF was like, okay, we're trying to be WADA compliant um, so they could get IOC recognition. And the USAPL is like, well, you know, we do drug tests WADA compliant at nationals for our top lifters, but we do like conventional Quest Diagnostics drug tests for everyone else because we have so many people. And the IPO was like, no, you can't have that because it's not fully compliant. You have to be fully compliant, which means every single drug test you do has to be water. Now with the amount of people the USAPL had, that would have been several million dollars a year just going into drug tests. It would have been too much overhead. Um, So they said, no, we can't do that. We can't afford it. But like, then like there's some people like, okay, well then only drug test the top 10% of lifters. Now, if you do that, you have people who can come into meets on the local level, piss hot, and then get away with it until nationals and the world level. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why they didn't want to compromise that way by only testing the top. So they did the um, they did another sensible thing as like a last ditch effort because they at this point they I don't know if they proposed this before they were suspended, um, but they were suspended in August of 2021 by the IPF um, yeah, with a hearing in November of that year to determine their fate, which we all know what happened, but I'll get to that point. Um, The USAPL wanted to actually split in two with the pro USAPL, which is just the top lifters who want to go to Worlds, and that would be fully water tested. And then there's a recreational USAPL federation for everyone else, you know, the Joe Schmoes in the gym, who just want to test their maxes in a meet. The IP was like, no, it has to be two separate organizations. And that ultimately led to the USAPL getting kicked out of IPF and powerlifting America um, joining as the new affiliate for the United States. Cause you know, powerlifting America was already a thing behind the scenes because they're trying to be the separate entity, you know, but still work with USAPL. Like you could go and do USAPL meets as a judge or competing USAPL meets whatever, but the IPF wanted separation and that's what they got. And you know, throughout that whole, you know, cluster fuck, um, you know, you have a lot of like the, yeah, you just, you say draconian rules. Cause the IPF kind of policed the USAPL for their own doing their own thing. And ultimately that doesn't look favorable on the international level. And I guess that could cause some people to look bad to be more scrutinizing of Americans on the international stage. Cause we were a little bit of a, you know, we do our own thing kind of, you know, we march to be of our own drummer kind of way, but I don't right. think it should reflect on lifters, in my opinion. If you're an athlete, it doesn't matter what country you're from; you should be judged the same way.
0: Sure, but but unfortunately, uh, everybody's pathways through different organizations throughout the world, and unfortunately, your pathway through the USP, USAPL was was dashed because the USAPL didn't uh, didn't the, the IBF. Requirements. So yeah, I mean it is unfortunate like the that the athletes end up taking kind of the brunt end of it. But
1: oh yeah, no, it yeah, sucks because
0: nature.
1: I like the USAPL. i there's a lot of people that I know who still lifted the USAPL and I like I want to be involved in their meets, but I can't. I right. cannot be involved in any non-wada sanctioned event, otherwise I'll be suspended from the IPF for a year from <clears> international <throat> competition. And I and that sucks. But I still want to compete at Worlds because that's my own destiny, and I feel like I have to, like you know, build forth towards that. But it's horrible to see, you know, that I can't lift or compete or you know referee or load spot whatever be involved in a USAPL meet because you know I have to adhere to the IPF constitution, and you know it sucks yeah. that these things trickle down on lifters, but
0: you know yeah. I kind but of I have to of follow it. Ends up like what it really does and. Is- and strongman was kind of guilty of this for for a while, and I think they finally have uh, sort of broken the mold. But uh, you actually end up eliminating competition because of because oh, yeah. of this kind of gatekeeping, right? And and suddenly you become a, a an exclusive kind of organization to to a handful of people. That and 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 not saying anything against IPF. Lifters by any means—that's not the point. But you almost become this exclusionary, uh, uh, exclusive organization that that maybe isn't the best, right? Because because you do, you start, you kind of filter out a lot of people. You, you become the gatekeeper for who can, you know, this elitist group, yeah. and, and you reduce the competition. And strongman was very guilty of that for a long time with uh, with the pro card uh, status here in the United States. And and what they did is they ended up creating this very small group of, you know, uh, it has nothing to do with the athletes, right? It's not a it's not a slight to the athletes by any means, but you kind of created this elitist group of guys that eliminated a whole bunch of competition, right? And that that a lot of people could have done very well against those guys, and you create this kind of group that says that they're the best, but they're not they're not able to prove it because you can only compete against other people that hold that. You know, prestigious, I've always said very prestigious uh, title. You know, it's just a it's just a trophy, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, gives you, it gives you special access to a special group.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm afraid that the America is seen like that in the U.S. And like there's a lot of people who, you know, have that question, like, why don't you just leave the IPF? And I mean, I could. But the thing is, there's actually this whole. They did like a, the USAPL did like a Spotify wrap, like, you know, spinoff with the USAPL stats. And there was in 2022, there was around 16,000 raw lifters and only 738 equipped in their mates. There's oh, no wow. real competition in equipped left in the, in the USAPL. And I like the USAPL. I like what they're doing with their pro card with them. It's like, okay, since we don't have an international tournament to feed into, you can feed into making a shit ton of money which, you know, the top prize payout for the Pro Series finals for USAPL Raw is like $12,000, which is pretty good, Most more than most powerlifters make, especially drug tested. But <clears throat> the only major equipped competition in the world for single ply is in the IPF. To lift among sure. the greatest single ply lifters on the planet, you have to go there. Yeah. Um and equipped lifting really isn't the thing in the United States, you know, especially single ply. There is a, a lot of equipped lifting in the U.S., but, you know, with the West Side barbell, all oh, it you know, it's multiply. Yeah. And, you know, Unlimited is a whole different kind of worn. Those band shirts are nuts.
0: You have like these <laughs> shirts that
1: have like six layers of fabric or material. And you're like,
0: explain, to, explain to me the difference. Between multiply and unlimited, because I guess I kind of thought they were basically the same exact thing. Unlimited. Oh. Um, I think multi-ply? John, you know, you know this. This is something yeah. that you've actually got about. <laughs> so with. I actually when <laughs> i been too damn quiet, man. You need to, you need to jump into <laughs> this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so when
3: I did powerlifting, I did unlimited ply, which essentially, I mean, I literally did meets where like there was no gear check, that they're just like I mean, you have a Leviathan Ultra Pro on, you have briefs underneath, like you have knee wraps that are just like, literally feel like your knees might break. (laughs) And it's a, whereas I think technically multi-ply, it's only two plies, I'm pretty sure. And they have to be from a specific brand. You have to actually have it inspected. They actually have to all be like one unified piece of cloth. Like it can't be like a band shirt where, you can have unlimited layers with it or it can be thicker. But some of these, I mean, because at this point you have unlimited ply, like you have some of the shirts that are now four ply and everything that like, if you have enough rubber in it, like it's it's very much an overload situation and stuff. At least like equipped lifting with unlimited ply, it is, I mean, you can tell which lift has the most It's the extra sport of, like, you have many unlimited ply people who your benched and deadlift will be about the same and stuff. Whereas, like, Raw, that would be a completely different story, and then your squat's just huge and stuff. So that's the main difference there and everything. Yeah. F8 has a six ply shirt now. (laughs) Yeah. Six. I mean, I I guess unlimited
1: unlimited, is, you know, until your arms break. Or run out of material. I don't know whatever happens
0: first.
3: As someone who's seen someone's arm break, it's intense to see that. Because no, no. at that point, you have like.
0: And you've seen this, Johnson, not Like in, in yeah. the gym that you yeah. used to train in. Yeah, my friend Josh, down. yeah,
3: that I used to train at. He broke his arm, I think in a three ply. I'm pretty sure. It was either. Yeah. So it, it is because you, <laughs> you're so <laughs> overloaded that it is like, it's that broomstick sound that.
1: Oh, I've heard yeah. the tree branch sound because I was spotting a meat where someone blew a peck. That doesn't mm-hmm. sound good either. Now ever, to hear that, video,
0: think, ugh, that must not Brandon, feel good. Have you guys ever seen it? Sorry to interrupt you. Have you ever seen the video? Um oh powerlifter, why am I drawing uh Brandon Lully, Um when he when he tore both of his quads. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean split his patillas too, I think. I mean, I mean he did some. Serious, serious damage to his patella and quad tears, and the sound when they break, when they tear him in, is like two by fours breaking. It is, it is. I mean, it's disgusting. It is. It's like when you hear it, like (laughs) it is a brutal, brutal sound. You feel it
1: in your bones.
0: I'm sure you feel it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's like one of those things that like guts you to the core when you hear it because. You know, even that peg I heard and like it sounded like you took a thick tree branch and broke it in half. And that's Mm. I mean, the injuries in powerlifting are a little bit lower, like the rates are a little bit lower than in strongman, but still when you hear that sound, it's guttural.
0: It's very guttural.
1: And yeah, a lot of the injuries, I
0: think, I think the difference is is I mean, from you know, kind of what I've seen is that the injuries in in powerlifting tend to be a bit more severe maybe in more frequent but more severe they're more
1: frequent yeah i mean strong
0: like, man, like i've always said it's not a matter of if it's when you tear a bicep in strongman if you if you stick with strongman for you know i don't know i'm spitballing here but if if you're in there for a decade i guarantee you're going to tear up at least one bicep bicep um, you
1: know yeah but bicep. that's
0: a but it's a pretty it's a I, while i don't recommend it for anybody it's a very recoverable injury. You get surgery, oh, yeah. you know, you, you spend some money, of course, you know, you have 12 weeks before you can start lifting anything and maybe six months. I mean, those guys that recover faster, I don't know exactly. Yeah, you, you
1: can come back from the bicep tear pretty fast. I know a guy who had one um, at Ron Nationals 2018. He tore a bicep on his last deadlift. He's a, he's a good friend of mine, David Moore, um he came back within like you know a year or two and competed again and he you know he beat his old personal
0: bests you know yeah i competed Um, i tore mine i had a complete distal detachment on my left arm and uh i can i was back competing within six months now there was still a little bit of pain and kind of um i was a little you know gun shy if you will oh yeah you would be (laughs) i mean i wouldn't be i wouldn't be i wouldn't blame you but um but yeah within a year man i was back 100 over 100% my I think my left arm is now stronger than my right one so
1: powerlifting yeah the, the injuries tend to be more catastrophic you see the sure. double quad tear on a squat or you know your arm snapping in half on really the bench finish. and there's some people who lift like on squats with their wrists so cocked back that some people are actually breaking their wrists because sure. yeah. they're
3: loading
0: the bar so much,
2: and,
3: you see you know, the French
0: people do that with a so French, low bar. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand Andre how you Malenichev, can get the bar. Below. He's a master they, human being, well, and I've always wondered how in the world does he like his mobility is so ridiculous. Uh, Andre Malinichev, right? Malinichev
1: is one of them that can get can his meet. wrist
0: that far back. But
1: then you he's see a insane. lot of high-level lifters like that, especially in Eastern Europe, Alexander Rubets. Um a single ply 105 guy he can get his wrists like he's like literally like in like that with his wrists up back. but most people don't have the capacity to get in that position you know without severe pain or potential injury. you know some people do that and they break their wrists like harkening back to what you said, John the French, the ff force squat style where the bars on your middle back yeah they're like they're the catching yeah they're catching the ire of legality when it comes to that they're they're 66 kilo guy panache. <laughs> Yeah. He, um, he got he bombed out of Europeans because he he his first one his the bar was so low that they wouldn't give him a rack command. He was like kind of like not. Up oh, because right you're
3: after. so hunched forward. Yeah. yeah, they would
1: not get him. They wouldn't give him a command to squat. So he got re-racked twice. And then the second one, he had to adjust it. And I guess, you know, he got stapled and then he did it again and he got called on depth. So he bombed out. But then again, like there was another French lifter in the 105s, Clement. Um, he had the same thing, but they gave him a command, so judging is weird, I guess.
3: Yeah, like it's that steadiness, because I've seen some people with the squat, you can start slightly angled over. So yeah. Some judges like just won't give it to you until you're... Well,
1: well it depends on who's that, the judge. A lot of yeah. those powerlifting judges in the IPF come from Olympic weightlifting. They don't like that squat morning hinge hip dominant squad they don't like seeing the bar that low on someone's back
3: but there's also a rule
1: i think there's a rule where the bar can't be underneath your the bottom of your rear delt, and i think that's just for safety like so you Mm -hmm. don't the bar doesn't slide off your back and take out the spotters you know but
0: or or break your elbow or wrist
1: (laughs) yeah i haven't seen that but i have seen the bar like kind of slide off someone's back or like they get kind of pitched forward by that super low bar i was backspotting someone when that happened he just kind of hit the deck he was okay but like to see a bar just come dropping down the ground when you're backspotting them is not fun you're no. like is this gonna land on my arms you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, gonna, you're gonna
0: catch it Zen, and then just searcher it Zerture I mean, it like
1: kriakos grizzly you know do the like, front like ring man yeah <laughs>
0: catching your arms and just searcher yeah now that what what bitch yeah, that, that, I could do that
1: until, like, maybe 450 pounds, and then I'm like, you know, that's going to break something.
0: Oh, man. You know, uh, it'd Grizzly be a good so flex on know. the crowd,
1: but, you know, don't do that. Yeah. That reminds
0: honestly. me a video somebody else doing that Tom Halfline. Have you seen that? Like, he, he like, just rips it off the floor, double overhand, throws it up in the air, and, like – And then catches catchy, it his, oh, my, <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that, that's a lot of sheer landing. But I'm thinking, like, the Kriakos Grizzly 800-pound Zurcher Rays where you're just sitting there, like
3: <laughs> – Ah, I
1: like the streaming, yeah. you know, that's that's by far like one of the most like entertaining lifting videos. He's, he's an, an iconic lift. lifter, he like, is. it's crazy to realize that like, know, he actually was an Olympic lifter, he was, yeah, I but was now crazy. he's just whatever, he's an odd lifter on the internet. He I mean, he doesn't lifter. do powerlifting yeah, or a lot of those
0: guys over the years, though, that have done um, just really kind of short range emotion, super heavy stuff, and I mean, some of them swear by it, right? As oh, far yeah. as the absolute strength goes, and. You know, yeah. you talk about functionality. I mean, how, I mean nobody's going to s- squat eight hundred pounds on their back, right? I mean, nobody's going to deadlift. You know, a straight bar. Everything's going to be, you know, in more of a natural, neutral yeah. position. Yeah.
1: Um, like Paul Anderson. I mean, he did. Didn't he? Paul Anderson do like a sixty-five hundred-pound backlift?
0: Yeah, or something that like, was,
1: where he like yeah. got under like this like cart full of people and then like kind of stood up with it like two inches but he does yeah that's, that's a,
0: like, dude that's like really old school like old uh old school strongman old yeah style, old strongman whatever they call it style lifting like those old school lifts backlift was a big one um that, they've done that in World strongest man i think uh back in the day Watching mm-hmm. that
1: that's a wild event though. Wasn't wasn't it um wasn't it Bill Casemire who did like some form of backlift with like a big cart full of like I guess like they had a bunch of bikini models sitting on top of a cart or a box or something and he stood up with it a little bit like that's yeah, back probably. in the 80s.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean back in the early days when yeah, they always put women on oh, like the, uh, the yokes and the <laughs> yeah, or they put they had sumo
1: wrestling, you know, that was another one they had back in the day. You know, I don't sure think their insurance would let them do that now, but, you know, it's fun know to see back then.
0: It's kind of interesting. I mean, you bring that up, like, as far as, like, uh, injury-prone events, uh, you know, there's still so many out there that, you know, man again, to me is uh, – it's not an if, it's a win. Because, I mean, there's so many movements that are um, putting the biceps in a, in a, you know, in a bad position to tear um, – you know, and then and then we had mass wrestling for a little while where everybody toured lats and triceps and crazy shit, right? Um, and then you watch some of these shows, man, that in the convention centers doing, like, fingers fingers on slick convention floors. I'm like, how is nobody dropping that? And Like, if somebody drops, like, slips, and that falls on them, it's going to hurt, man, and...
1: It's going to be like the John Cotton yeah. with the log. That one was... Remember that? Oh, John! He rolled. Practice, yeah, he a, yeah, a on it. log roll He didn't belly. get hurt, though.
0: Thankfully. No, he didn't.
1: He went to the hospital, but he didn't get hurt. That became um, a viral gym fail back when it happened. Like he got like several million views on that.
0: You know? Yeah, but, dude. I mean, that keeps cycling through. And uh, there's a group of us actually, um, kind of a old old man, strong man, powerlifting troop that we have like a ongoing text. Group conversation. John is part of that, and every time it comes up, man, we're just like, we got to give him shit for it because it's, oh yeah, because it's, uh, it's, it's awesome for one, right? It's that he, uh, that that happened, that he's lifting to the point that he literally passes out, and then he (laughs) drops. I don't think it was a lot of weight, uh, and John would have to, you know, say what it was, but it wasn't more than, I don't think it was more than two fifty, maybe two seventy. I have to go back and look at the log, but it wasn't a whole. I mean coming down from that far but yeah he fortunately did not get hurt but it's hilarious seeing every time it comes up right everybody's like thinks he's dead and like mortally wounded and it's like man, we're, know, we're, 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 we're more we're more powerful
1: wounded. than that it takes a little bit more to
0: kill us it's hilarious um, just because he's okay right I mean, yeah funny he is it was, there, it's everybody. still kind of
1: gnarly to watch um, but yeah, it's like the fingers, fingers on a slick floor. I mean, there's another thing. I mean, like if you if you're like in that position and your feet slide out from under you with that much weight, you could tear your Achilles.
0: Oh man, yeah. well, could you imagine? I mean, some of those things weigh, you know, I don't know what the like the total implement weighs like four or five hundred pounds, right? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine like face planning and having that come down on your head? Like you'll you'll,
1: you'll fracture your Oh, I don't care like how well, much. You always live, like always sign like uh,
0: indemnification waivers, you know, as yeah. promoters. But I'm like, will will they still be covered if if neglect if that's like can be proven to be neglectful? Well, <laughs> like-
1: yeah, because if you think about it, <laughs> it would be prevented if you put a rubber stall mat underneath them that's not slippery. Because yeah. those those tile concrete floors at convention centers, like you know, like, there's a thing like you know, when, when powerlifting we put carpet down on the platform mm-hmm. so it's not slick as snot. Yeah. And even then the carpet can get slick as snot. Cause you, if you think about it, after a few days, the carpet collects a lot of chalk, a lot of baby powder, a baby lot of, powder. you know, piss, sweat, yeah, blood, sure. everything. Sure. And then that carpet, which is usually really cheap, shitty carpet, just becomes a fucking roller rink. I can't yeah. imagine if you're like doing that on a bare concrete floor; that just seems unsafe. It's not bare though; it's
0: polished or it's got some kind of like acrylic. It's, it's yeah, rim. there's like a yeah. coating
1: yeah. on it that makes it slick. It's not shitty, bare concrete. It was bare sure
0: concrete
3: waxed like the night before. I did a farmer's uh, carry on one of those uh, things, and that was uh, like <laughs> trying to like walk with 200 pounds per a hand, farmer's thing, and you're like you're trying not to rotate. And I made the mistake of, I had some, I think they were like the Sabo deadlift shoes, which are really great for deadlifting. But as I was walking over to start doing it, I stepped through a bunch of someone's baby powder that they had done. So my feet were literally just like twisting back and forth. And I was like, it took everything I could do to like finish it. Cause I'm like, you, I'm not used to the farmer's carry, having to stabilize like every aspect of my body and like just not roll my. <laughs> That's ankle. another
1: like thing, you know, that a lot of powerlifters suck at strongmen because they're not used to moving around with the weight in their hand. Right. I mean, I'm as powerlifters, we're used to one one bar point A point B, you're done. You know, sometimes yeah, you don't even have to walk the weight out if you're in a federation that uses a model of you
3: just stand up. Mono is so good.
1: Yeah, I don't. I have to walk my shit out.
3: Oh yeah, those
1: two little steps are the worst steps in the world. But then you know, if you think about it, there's a lot of stuff in strongman, and I'm like, I mean, I could get the hang of it. You know, not like some powerlifters um, can be good at strongman. It takes a while. Like you know, Luke Richardson's an example. He he moved over and went to the finals and world's strongest man, but he's kind of injured. So you know, it's a, it's, Kevin a, it's a win
3: too, huh? Didn't Kevin Ferris also do?
1: Kevin Ferris, yeah, maybe In powerlifting. Um, Back in the day, 1997. I think
0: everybody dabbles a bit too. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of notable guys, but you're talking about powerlifters that can't move. You know, Brian Siders, who was a great powerlifter, you know, he got invited uh, back in the, I think it was late, you know, around 2008, 9, 10, somewhere in there, maybe. The Arnold, so to Arnold yeah. and World's Strongest Man. And I think he did okay in the Arnold. The Arnold doesn't require as much mobility.
1: It's some, sad show. But you can
0: really tell where the athleticism and lack thereof really killed him at World's Strongest Man, where you have to be very agile, um, very mobile.
1: Um, and have the We guests. were
0: talking about this, John, in our chat. <laughs> yeah. I let this switch it over to, to World's Strongest Man. We were talking about Jamal Browner, as a matter of fact. Um, moving to Strongman. I'm like, he's actually pretty athletic. Maybe maybe he'll do well, but we'll he see. Could. We'll see how does yeah. in the World Deadlift
1: Championships. You know, it's yeah. one thing to max out on deadlifts. It's one thing. to, And then it's another thing to max out on deadlifts and do like four other events. I mean, Siders is a static monster. He was really yeah. good at all the static stuff. But, you know, the moving stuff killed him. You know, that a lot of powerlifters are like that. But However, there are some powerlifters who did really well in Strongman after leaving powerlifting, you know, Absolutely. in 2000. You know, in the two thousand late nineties, early two thousands, you know, Big Z's Druness
0: was an IPF powerlifter. Single ply. Yeah, play. I mean, yeah, he. T- I mean, he stuck with nice. it, I think, a little bit longer than than uh, Brian Siders did. And, and yeah, you know, if you go back and look at early Z, you know, baby Z, <laughs> baby
2: <laughs> you know, he Z. wasn't
0: he wasn't winning anything. But no. I mean, I, let me rephrase that. He was not. Uh, I mean, he wasn't winning world strongest man. He wasn't. You know, doing super super well yet. But I mean, the man was definitely born. A born winner. There's no question about it. Yeah, but.
1: It's big house for my trophies.
0: Yeah, my <laughs> trophies. <the> yeah <laughs> I, that's what I want. I want the big
1: house for my trophies. You know, <laughs> like that's that's like the kind of strength sport legend that you want to have. You have the big house just for your trophies. Just that room, like when you walk. Do you in have like five, five seven kids seven. here. No, I have trophies. A big tussle for <laughs> <to> my trophies, <laughs> you know. Like, but you know, like in terms of like you know, strawman. There's a lot of shit in strama that makes me, you know, give it a, you know, give it a little teasing look. I mean, I have the frame for it. I'm pretty tall. I'm six foot sure. four, so I'm tall for a powerlifter. A lot of powerlifters are shorter.
3: I was um, about to say. I was like, that's unexpected. so yeah, the six way foot four.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm quite tall. Um, you know, I'm not like Ryan Shaw size, but I'm like Lacey's hall those guys I'm right. around their size um, you know Tom Stoltman Brian Shaw Thor those are like one in a million people there's not a lot of people who are that tall but the height helps Stoltman with the stones you know with those you know 600 pounds stones because like he has the reach to just whoosh, grab from a
0: big guy sport um, it's, it always is, been. it's always been intended to be a big big, big guy sport um, and you and you and you're right um, I mean there's been some great strong men who are shorter but shorter guys like always run into major weaknesses because of leverages um you know and so so it's always been a big guy sport and i think it always will be yeah if you're under six feet tall like
3: in your athletic cross that's where you go like i'll tell that athletes. to rob kearney <laughs> yeah. yeah it's true rob kearney does prove it though <laughs> rob kearney's
1: rob kearney's a anomaly though you know he's yeah. <laughs> he's shorter but he's also really good at strongman you know it's yeah but, but he's but if you he... can tell where height kind of screws him because you know yeah like, loading events and stuff the bars at, set at like 52 inches you know and that's that's gonna suck if you're shorter you're gonna have to lift higher strong.
0: i mean and he can move so fast with yeah. heavy I maintenance kearney's it's, very athletic that helps him easy. that explosiveness but, yeah. but i mean still and nothing absolutely nothing against Kearney. He's an amazing athlete i mean he's definitely proven himself as one of the top strong men in the world but he's he's still yet to make finals and world strongest man i mean i mean he's still young um mm-hmm. we'll see what the future holds but strong is Strongman, sport for tall is people. a big guy sport, and it's a yeah. tall, big guy sport. That's like kind of the thing, you know. Become, become so important on the truck pulls, the finger, finger, uh um, um, fingers, right? I mean, those those events, the tall loading, the high loading, stones, all that stuff is I mean, you gotta be able to have the ability to be well-rounded and strong, man. And and that's just always gonna fall to the advantage to the taller athletes.
1: Yeah, and it's also, like, a little bit more of a versatile sport. I mean, powerlifting is a short man's game. It, it, for raw powerlifting especially, in order to maximize your raw strength, yeah. you Absolutely. have to be in a shorter frame. The best raw powerlifter currently in drug tested is Jesus Olivares. He's around 5'11", foot, and he's 385 pounds.
0: Wow.
1: He is by far the most statically strong powerlifter I've ever seen.
2: That's he has insane.
1: over a 1,000 squat in, in competition, he hasn't solidified it yet he's done over a thousand on squat 600 bench 900 on deadlift
0: he had what,
1: he had what ray didn't which was the bench the deadlift ray never went over six and right. never went over nine no jesus can um it's just time to see what he'll do it at, at a meet um hopefully he gets an invite to sheffield which would be great to see um but you know it's it's kind of like this thing where like you know the shorter stockier guys gravitate more towards powerlifting mm-hmm. and as a yeah. single ply powerlifter, obviously the height advantage, um, I think if you're taller and have longer limbs, the gear actually helps you more because you have more of a fulcrum Perfect. for the equipment to kind of like turn you over out of the hole. Like Bar Christensen, who was the one of the best single ply powerlifters of all time at a young age, even he totaled, I think 1,230 kilos, which is like 26, 2,700 pounds at 24, right here in Aurora. By the way, in the world yeah. championships. Um, and he retired unfortunately young because he had a nagging knee issue from uh, snowboarding that carried
0: over. You know, it's always that's fucking
1: it. something else,
0: you know. Why like the career ending injuries can come
1: from walking the dog, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: this. Colorado, why don't you snowboard him? Like, cause because if I get hurt snowboarding, right? Yeah, gonna, if I get you know, that's why I stopped oh.
1: skiing. Two one, you get hurt and it sucks. Two, I-70 in the winter sucks. It
0: sucks sucks any time of the year.
1: Yeah, but it's especially worse in the winter when you have those guys with the slick tires up there sliding all over the road. I don't like going up there if I don't have to. Um, But in terms of, like, you know, single-ply lifting, I have goals, obviously. I want to win IPF Worlds. I want to go to World Games. I don't like, you know, mentioning numbers because I'm kind of superstitious where I think, like, I mean, I I call it, like, the gods of powerlifting. They'll strike you down if you tempt them too much. I don't like talking shit about hitting big lifts because every time you do that, you're going to fuck it up. Um, so I tend to like be a little bit more mellow, but my goal ultimately is to total 1,300 kilos in powerlifting single ply, oh, yeah. which has never been done in the IPF. Blaine Sumner came close. He came four kilos shy. If he had gotten his second bench at the Arnold um, of 1000 fo- 1,004, he would have had a 1,330. At That's be Newcom- single ply? He's the only guy – well, there's a couple – Jimmy Kolb has benched over 11 in single-ply, and then Same Blaine man. Sumner's is the only IPF guy who's ever done 1,000. USAPL slash IPF guy who's ever done 1,000 in single-ply. That's
0: insane.
1: Only one, yeah. I mean, there's not oh. a lot of single-ply benches over nine, let alone 1,000. I think Kolb and Blaine are the only two, um, correct me if I'm wrong. And then you have Womack and the not high 900s, but that's it.
3: You know. And some of those plies are a little bit thick. Like that's well, also Jimmy
1: Kolb uses the the thicker collar on the single ply, from what I've yeah. heard. Um, the KLA, but Blaine did not. Blaine had a conventional super katana IPF gear check, everything else, which those makes it impressive. Are crazy
3: the Canvas shirts.
1: The canvas yeah no and then like the band shirts now especially with that i mean i kind of want to throw one of those on one day and see how much i can bench without breaking my arms but it's it's kind of <laughs> like too much if you break me. your
0: arms then yeah. you're gonna be like i can't oh, lift anymore yeah do <laughs> so don't don't yeah. break
1: your arms you know that's a really bad one to come back from because your fucking bone is broken you have to bring that back in place you know but yeah. that's that sucks what happened to your whole training partner where you like you lost he lost he broke his arm which you know i wouldn't be able to handle that oh yeah watch no, a while well. to come back yeah i think yeah. it was it was but, weird to like have that happen you know after all this single plot stuff is said and done you know i might i might have that little itch for strongman be a little bit horny to try some it, man. strongman yeah no i'll have the i'll have the environment out here the only reason why I've been like teasing about it, but never actually like stepping in this cause I don't want it to fuck up my powerlifting career currently, sure. but I see Str- I go to strongman shows. I see what's going on. Like that looks fucking cool. I'll it's have fun. to learn it, but I want to, I'm going to definitely, that's like the goal after powerlifting is said and done is to transfer over to strongman and see how I can do. Cause I do have the size for it. And I just think it's interesting. It's a new way of training, but having the strength base helps.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, you know probably one of my if I had a regret which I don't have many um is maybe not being and I'm trying to and I'm trying to get better at this now while I still can is being more of a a, a student of strength rather than isolating myself inside of you know the silo strong man there's so much more out there um that I think that 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 we you know we have a tendency to kind of overlook or you know have reasons or justifications for not getting into but Man, there's so there's such a big world of strength out in the world that that I think it would be it can be very beneficial to all of us to explore different avenues. Um, you know, strong man in and CrossFit especially, you know, granted they're a little bit more multi, there's more disciplines than powerlifting or weightlifting, of course. It's a big, big benefit to all of us, I think, to get out and and You know, work with the weightlifters, work with the Highland Games throwers, work with the powerlifters, work with the bodybuilders, um, because these people have knowledge within their specific sports that uh, are beneficial to all of us. And and, bodybuilding gets such a bad rap for some reason um i mean oh, I, I, talk get, to. I, I i get the vanity part you know is maybe mm-hmm. kind of is where the bad rap comes from but those guys still work really hard oh yeah and, and uh we're all bodybuilders at the end of the day right we're building our bodies
1: yeah for strength building obviously our
0: bodies. and and uh hypertrophy muscle cross-section right is uh where where the uh potential for strength comes from so
1: yeah, There's a bodybuilder in that I go, that lives in Lakewood that I know, and in my off seasons, I go down occasionally into Westminster, it's kind of like our halfway point. Um, and train with him, do bodybuilding movements, pick his brain on how to do them correctly to feel the muscle. Because I feel like if I'm more jacked, I'm gonna get more out of my lifting in the maxes because you have more muscle mass to use on the lifts, you know, the guy with the, with the who's more jacked. If you have a guy who has like 150 pounds of lean mass and 100 pounds of lean mass, they both know how to recruit the nerve, the muscle fibers, the same. The guy with 150 pounds is just fucking smoke the guy with 100. Yeah. If you're more jack, you know how to use your the the muscles already. You're gonna blow people out of the water. Um. So that's like the thing. You know, I do like to fuck with people, you know, saying like, you know, in terms of like strongman, because like my main gripe is like the absolute zero standard Wessel style strongman that I tend to like, you know, like that kind of sucks. But I think strongman, I have a lot of respect for strongman, you know, powerlifters and strongman and weightlifters all get along, you know, and really, like, as you said, learn from each other, pick each other's brains, like. You know when when it comes time to wear a deadlift suit in a competition, there's no better way to find out how to wear one and use it than talking to equipped powerlifters because we have to use it in meets all the time. Exactly. You know, exactly. sometimes you know you have people who wear the deadlift suit and they suck ass and you have to like look in like see what they're doing wrong and what can be what kind of adjustments can not only be made to their technique, but also the suit. You know, there's some people who wear a deadlift suit and the fucking the straps are too short and they can't get down to the bar. I'm like, get longer straps
0: Balls or get a looser throat. suit. You know, <laughs> sometimes the answer isn't a tight suit. that
1: takes five minutes to squeeze into. Sometimes you may have to loosen it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it depends. Right. It's a it's a, a delicate balance. You know, you obviously don't want to wear a goddamn singlet style suit where like you just swim into it. But you need to right. figure out what part do you want tighter, what part do you want looser. My main advice for people starting with suits is to get a stock one around your size you see how it fits training it and if you see if there's issues with it then go from there you know take it in here or you want it looser there you know like you know some people have tiny hips and big quads and they need to have looser legs and a tiny hip that kind of tapers inward. so it
0: just depends on the person
3: yeah, it's true. Good I, advice. I hate to be the time captain,
0: but I do the time
3: captain. Before, we, be before slightly...
0: we stop, I yeah. forgot. I forgot. I I was going to give somebody a shout-out for guessing the age of my shoes. And I forgot to do it at the beginning. We're gonna to have to cut this out and, and move it to like the front or something, or just post it. But I was really excited about my these shoes that I've had. These are my very, very first. Weightlifting shoes that I've ever owned. I cleaned them up. I wish I would have done a, a before and after because they were absolutely disgusting before. You know, yesterday morning, um, and I had a lot of people respond to guessing the age, and nobody got it. A couple of people got within a couple of years. Uh, a couple people, you know, apparently think that I'm older than dirt and suggested yeah. that I'm fifty years old. Luke Davies. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm not even 50 um a couple of people were like two weeks i mean because actually they probably i mean they're they're pretty clean man they look pretty new in some regards but um so two people guessed 15 years one of them is in but you know you're on here so we already gave you a huge like hour <laughs> shot.
3: <laughs> talking then the you're off person, about
0: powerlifting the other person, uh, and and actually, before I say her name, um I started lifting in I think September of two thousand and five was when I actually officially started weightlifting. I had never really been to a gym before. They're seventeen years old, and they're still here with me today. Um, so the other person that guessed fifteen years is my good friend Lacey Hughes up in Williston, North Dakota. Um, you can find her on Instagram at uh, Lacey gets it. Um, so, thanks for playing, guys. Thanks for your guesses, Zen and Lacey, who guessed the closest. Um, everybody else, there was a couple other with you know within a few years, but most people are just like way, way off. <laughs> I'm not 50 years. old. Your shoes
1: old. are almost a voting age, which is crazy.
0: <laughs> My shoes are almost a voting age. <laughs> They're gonna. I'm gonna mail in a ballot for them next year. You probably could. <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: that,
2: was, that
1: was a good that was a good episode you know a lot of yeah, yeah
3: you do you know, have any of, parting you know, words for people
1: i would say you know i think that well, there's a lot for us to learn from each other and that branching out and like exploring different avenues of strength training is beneficial for all of us and that should you know as darren say you know you shouldn't be stuck in a silo and instead focus on the whole fucking farm because otherwise you're going to suck ass. And you know, that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. You
3: got anything you else, John? You... I'm
0: good.
3: Yeah. I think we're good. Another great episode. Thanks for coming Absolutely, on, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for having me.
1: Everybody, find you Zen. Um I'm my Instagram is at Zen the Piston.
0: Zen the Piston. Zen the, the Squatter.
1: The Squatter. Hopefully a thousand soon. We'll work on that.
0: A thousands coming.
1: Yep. Thousands coming. Awesome. Thanks for coming to the
0: show, man. No problem. Thank Thank you you for having
1: me again. Thank you. Take care.